All right, are you guys are you guys good? He doesn't have gray hair. All right. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Mike. Steve Carell is no, no gray Dean. hair yet. No. Nope. Do, do you see it? <laughs> All right. Ready, guys? Two seconds of pause. Right here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our very special Christmas episode. Merry Christmas, all of our listeners, and happy holidays if you choose not to celebrate it. I am Vito from Not Your Father's Movies. I'm joined by... Mike. And I'm Jesse, and we are coming at you with some big Santa energy. Oh, big Santa. Big energy. Santa. I love it. I love it. Well, oh, we're, we're really Santa. excited. Huge Santa. <laughs> Fat, old Santa Claus. Um <laughs> I'm really excited to present this this episode of of Not Your Father's Movies because this marks uh, the fact that we've been doing this for like six months. Um, That's crazy, six months. Yeah, I mean we, we've been we've been planning this uh, since the summer and been recording it since August. Uh, we've also done just a plethora of episodes. We've done three full series at this point. Uh, we've we've talked a lot. We've made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of which have been edited out for your listening pleasure. Um, and uh, just, you know, just looking back on the year, uh, I just feel really good about where we're at. We're at over a thousand downloads as of this recording. Yeah, that's it's incredible. Cool. That's just very surprising. <laughs> <laughs> you put it well. You put it well. Um, so, for just just in this kind of spirit of of giving thanks and and being grateful uh, that the holiday season always brings around, um, I just want to say thank you to our listeners. Uh, for for bringing us here, I mean, you give us the reason to keep doing this. If we were still sitting at like 150 downloads, I would stop. <laughs> <laughs> you give us the juice to keep going, so thank you, and thank you for your, your emails and reaching out to us uh, across our platforms. Um, I, I, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thanks. And uh, we're very happy to bring you this special, this special seasonal episode here today. Everyone, it is 1990s Home Alone. We Home Alone. <laughs> How are you guys feeling about Home Alone? Like, do, do you guys like this movie? Oh my gosh, yes. This okay. is amazing. So you're not a sociopath. Jesse, are you a sociopath <laughs> that doesn't like Home Alone? Are you kidding me? I love Home Alone. I grew up on this movie and John Hughes in general. So yeah, love it. Awesome. Now, I, I'm very happy to be sitting here talking about it because like what the quintessential Christmas movie, I guess, like for me, might be something more like It's a Wonderful Life. But I say that because I grew up watching that. But when I look back in the last four years of my life, the only real Christmas movie I've watched every single year was Home Alone. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. just the one that I watched every single year. And I didn't mean to. I was just more like, oh, Home Alone. It's Christmas time. It's been a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very happy to to, uh, to revisit it. Um, so I think... We'll start with uh, just who's in it, right? Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, let's do it. Who is in this movie, Vito? Uh, well, there's a boy named Kevin. A boy named Kevin. Yeah, so it starts with... Uh, it's Macaulay Culkin. We all know well, it's Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Hold Everybody on, hold on. Get the name right. <laughs> What's the name? Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin Culkin. <laughs> Mac Macaulay Mick. Culkin. Well, if you want to say it the long way, it's Macaulay Macaulay Tolkien Rolkin Rolkin Tolkien, Tolkin, Tolkin. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, you have, you have a, a unique habit of, of, of 
surprising me with the disgust that I feel from the old jokes that come back. But thank you for bringing them back anyway. Well, it is a bad uh, podcast after all, right? But, well, actually, for reals, Macaulay Culkin did change his name to Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin at one point. Yes. This is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I see a, a kind of an identity crisis there. Probably. Chances are. I'm no therapist, but I, that's what I see. Yeah. <laughs> So Macaulay McCulloch Culkin, Rolkin Tolkien Jolkin is here. He was previously in a John Hughes movie, Uncle Buck, big favorite of mine. Mm, uh, maybe one we'll cover someday. I love that. I've never seen Uncle Buck. Jesse. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's another one of the classic John Hughes movies that I grew up on. With John Candy. Uh, it was Yeah. It was that and it was uh Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Me and my family oh, yeah. used to watch it all the time. Oh, Dennis the Menace. I used to watch that like every single day. That Dennis was probably Menace, like, yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Maybe like, maybe like uh deep throwback childhood movies is where that one will fit in. Yeah. Yeah. They would all just be John Hughes. They would all. <laughs> yeah, that's, fair. that's fair. But for me, my, my pick would be Uncle Buck, especially for the scene where he flips the pancake with the snow shovel. That's just, that's just incredible. <laughs> and it's so funny. The pancake is so big. <laughs> Anyway, oh, it's okay, Mike. We'll get there. I'm excited to see it. <laughs> um, so he's known for that. And then principally and kind of only, he's really just known for Home Alone and Home Alone 2. You know, he he has gone off. He was in a Velvet Underground um, band. Uh, well, well, they covered Velvet Underground songs, but they were all rewritten to be about pizza, if I remember correctly. He's, he's been having a great time living in Europe. Kind of not being and stuff, but he's he's kind of come back. He comes back for some TV shows, and I guess Macaulay Culkin's just one of the weirdest child stars that we have. Yeah, everybody know. knows him, and he doesn't do anything else. I know, except for weird Velvet Underground pizza bands. And then he like shows up on BuzzFeed, like you won't guess where this child actor went today. And you look at him, and you're like, oh, whoa, you look strange. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the same picture that comes up where his face is entirely sunken in, and then like some of his ribs are showing because he's kind of shirtless. It looks like, yeah, that same picture comes up, but he's actually doesn't look like that he looks pretty healthy at this point i think he did go through a weird stage and he looks fine now yeah i think he just he just lived a kind of a crazy life um he's talked a little bit about it and uh yeah i just wish him well i mean he's out of all the childhood stars that have completely burned out and exploded uh he's actually doing pretty well for himself but anyway getting back to this movie uh so macaulay culkin obviously the clear and present star uh but we do have uh joe pesci here uh, I have yeah. written down in my notes, gangster and Italian extraordinaire. <laughs> um, so, you know, Joe Pesci, I mean, he's in the Irishman, uh, two lethal weapon movies, casino, a Bronx tale, my cousin, Vinny, JFK, Goodfellas, And once upon a time in America, I mean, like if you want a short Italian guy to get mad and scream obscenities at someone in your movie, you call yeah, Joe, Pesci. Joe Pesci. Yeah. He's the only guy that can do it. Yeah. Um, I, a huge fan of his. And honestly, like there's a scene in the second home alone movie that I, I identify very, very much with. We were watching Home Alone 2 last year and my wife uh, was watching it and she goes, oh, look, it's you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the scene where they're standing in Central Park and, and uh, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are, 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 you know, stalking Macaulay Culkin and they're reading a newspaper and then a bunch of pigeons land really close to them. And so Joe Pesci rolls up the newspaper and he's smacking the pigeons. <laughs> but because they're New York pigeons, they don't care. So he's hitting them. like, get out of here. Rest up, rest up, rest up, rest up. And he's just hitting them repeatedly. And the pigeons are slowly kind of inching away from him. They don't care. And she goes, look, it's you. 
uh, <laughs> my darling wife. <laughs> um, but we also have uh, Daniel Stern, pretty talented comedian. Also hasn't really done much after this movie. Been in a few things you might kind of recognize. Uh, he's in The Wonder Years. We have Very Bad Things. He's in the Dilbert TV show as Dilbert, which I, I really was a fan of back in the day. Yeah, he's he's been active, but not uh, he's not really sought the limelight. So that that wraps up our kind of our our trio of the main people. And at, backing them up, we have uh, John Hurd, uh, rest in peace, as of a few years ago, who plays um, Kevin's father. And he had a he had a wild career. I mean, everything from like Prison Break and The Guardian to CSI and The Sopranos. And like he just worked constantly all the way up, um, all the way up until his death. And uh, he's in a lot of things that you'll recognize him in now that you know that he's a real actor. I mean, he's also in Big, for example. And then we have the beautiful, wonderful, always talented Catherine O'Hara, probably most most well known at this point for Schitt's Creek. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. which she's which she's incredible in. Yeah, well, she's she's just like back in the in the limelight because of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that 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 portrayal of a of an aging wealthy person who is now super poor. I think out of everyone in that show, she does the was rich now super poor best. <laughs> I like I like in that show how she has like a wall in their motel room that's dedicated to her wigs. <laughs> that's so funny to me. <laughs> On top of that, she was also in a lot of a lot of mockumentary movies by the same people that did This Is Spinal Tap. They did like a series of mockumentary movies, and she's in almost all of them, I think. Yeah, best in show. What was it? Best in show. Waiting for Guffman. The Mighty Wind. And there, there's another one I'm, I'm missing. Yeah, I can't remember what the fourth one is, but those were the three I was thinking of. And also best in show with with uh, Dan Levy, right? Not Dan Levy or Sean Levy. Which Levy? I do not know. It's a Levy. It's it's the, it's the husband at the beginning when they're in the therapy session. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about because not only is he in best in show, he's also in the Mighty Wind. And That's true. He, he's always doing like a couple thing with her. It's very, yeah. Weird. They just must like really get along. Uh, what of like a fun, not real couple, that's always playing a couple. It is not Dan Levy. That's his son. What's his name? <laughs> Eugene Levy. That's it. That's him. Okay. That was good. That was going to kill me. We could not finish recording if we couldn't think of that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, just like last two people I want to mention in the cast list is uh, Kieran Culkin, Macaulay's younger brother who plays Fuller in this movie, who always wets the bed if who he drinks. I, <laughs> I also love the eyebrow waggle. It's great. <laughs> but now you know him from stuff like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. You know him from Succession. Like he's made yeah. quite a career for himself. I think he's in Fargo season two, right? I think oh, he, he might have. Yeah, I just, yeah. just saw that. Yeah, he's uh, he's in it for a little bit. Nice. Yeah, I won't say too much about it. Okay. <laughs> he's in it. Hey, I already said too much. He's in, he's in it. <laughs> there we go. Are you done with the cast list? Yes. Except for John Candy. Uh, I wanted to bring up, I know you're too bashful to bring it up, but there's another famous child actor in this movie. When he was just but a yay squid with tentacles all over himself, they they dressed. It, it's our very own Vito. They they dressed him up to look like a little tarantula, and you played the tarantula in the movie. You've um, you've you've found me out. Uh, you don't know how many takes I had to do where I ate the mice guts 
They just kept making me eat the mice guts. And then they cut it in the end. It turned real mice guts. They were real mice guts. I had to eat them. It was a whole thing. They had to be like locally and sustainably farmed, which was really progressive of them in 1990. Yeah, I didn't know they did that in 1990. Well, that you know, yeah. Chris Columbus and, and John Hughes, like they, they cared. Yeah. They gave you your big start, you know, because you later went on to be in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You have a a storied career, my friend. I would like to know kind of when, I mean, just in your eyes as a fan, when I morphed from having uh, octopus tentacles to being a spider. But it's it's movie magic, you know, it's how they, it's CGI. It's really CGI, but even old CGI can make tentacles look like spider legs pretty easily. I'm just really happy that in this day and age, I can come out and I can actually play with my tentacles and not play as a spider always. Like, Please don't play I'm with your tentacles old. too much. <laughs> not, not too much. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Uh, but I have, I, 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 I do want to announce I have been cast as Ursula's double in the remake of oh, Little Mermaid. Um, so I really, get to, I really get to let my tentacles fly. Um, <laughs> Uh, and last but not least, I wanted to mention John Candy uh, because he's one of the best parts of this movie. And he's one of the best parts of any movie he's ever in. Yeah. And uh, actually, almost all of his dialogue was improvised, which is kind of fun. Really? It. Yeah. That's why Catherine O'Hara is kind of not really sure what to do. In, in <laughs> that, a little, makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, we'll get to it. Okay. One of the last ones in the crew I wanted to mention, this is directed by Chris Columbus. It's one of his first movies. Um, but he has been a big tastemaker for a long time. We all grew up watching his movies. If you didn't know, he's been a huge producer for a long time. He's produced the Fantastic Four movies. He produced horror like The Lighthouse and The Witch. He did Patty Cake and I Kill Giants. He's produced uh, Percy Jackson, which he also directed. He's also produced three Harry Potter movies. He wrote The Goonies. He wrote Gremlins. And a personal favorite of mine, he wrote Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, which I remember watching when I was just a young kid and it just blew me away. Even beyond his writing and producing, though, he's, he's directing... Adventures in Babysitting. He did two Harry Potters himself. He did Rent. He did Mrs. Doubtfire. He did Bicentennial Man. It's it's quite a career from this guy. It's amazing looking back at it and being like, who is this director? And then you look down his movies, you go, wow, I've seen 75% of everything you've made. Really cool that he's here. Also written by John Hughes. But like we talked about with uh, 101 Dalmatians, you know, who needs to talk about what John Hughes wrote? Everyone oh, knows yeah. what John Hughes wrote. John Hughes. John Hughes, man. Yeah. It's a John Hughes joint. Yeah. But the final person I want to mention, and that actually leads into a question. The final person I want to mention is the music in this film is done by John Williams. John Williams. John Williams. John H. Williams. John H. Williams. John W. W. Well, Williams. Well, what else is he known for, Vito? He he has done small projects mostly. Small, yeah, yeah. Not really. He's not really that well known. No, Jesse. Like I like you haven't even heard this man's name before today. Well, I've heard lots of people named Williams. Lots of people named John. So t- tell me more about Mr. John Williams, Vito. Mr. John Williams, he he did he did a really cool uh, kind of a trilogy, actually four movies. It was actually four movies. It was about um, an archaeology professor who broke a lot of artifacts oh, yeah. um, in transporting them back to his museum. I feel like I've heard of this. I don't well, know everyone really liked it. him, but it was really bad because he's like a shitty archaeologist. Yeah, like, he broke everything all the time. But it was like, like he's a didn't, hero. Didn't he destroy full temples at times? Yeah, yeah. Full temples. He he would trigger uh, ancient ceremonial traps, which would trample thousands of years yeah. of artifacts in their wake. Yeah. And then he'd be like, "Well, got nothing for my museum." Wah wah, and it's a block box office success. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. He also made a movie. Uh, he, he scored a movie about an alien, right? 
and he, 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 he's, he's among us, but he, he oh. destroys our cities and our national landmarks. <laughs> he really does. Like he knocks over buildings and he endangers innocent people. And yeah. everyone's like, like, oh, this is great. He's terrifying. It's the Ubermensch. The Ubermensch. Was yeah. that the name of the movie? The, the yeah. Ubermensch? It was Ubermensch. Yeah. Uh, Ubermensch. Probably the most ironically titled movie was Ubermensch 3, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Guys, all right, I'm done being facetious, but that was fun. <laughs> to be clear, that's uh, Jones and Superman. Those are two of the, the very well-known things that John Williams has exactly. scored. Exactly. There's a couple of other things out there as well. He had a really heartwarming story about a wild beast that fought against domestication and tried to get back to its handlers, but his intentions were misunderstood. I'm talking about Jaws. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, Okay. uh, But I wanted to ask this question about John Williams. Where does this theme for Home Alone fit? In terms of all the great themes that he's done for all the movies through Harry Potter, Star Wars, Andy Jones, Superman, all this, blah, blah, blah. Is this is this top top tier like top ten top twenty top thirty? Where are we at, Jesse? All right, for me this is this is somewhere in the top ten, probably not the top five because in the top five, obviously you got Star Wars. I don't think it gets better than that. And then I, Jaws is definitely up there for me too. That's such a legendary theme, and so is Superman for me. I sing that almost daily to my kids. I go ba 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 ba. and then they touch the ceiling and then I fly them around and they chase each other. So that's like a standard in my household and that's going to go down in legend. (laughs) And even after that, you have like Harry Potter, which has been drilled into my head after so many movies. And so I I would say Home Alone is probably a solid number six, I think. Like just in terms of songs that have been stuck in my head for years and that I enjoy thinking about, like I don't get irritated when it pops in there like many songs and themes do so yeah i'm gonna go with number six for this one number six of all john williams themes it's really high but it's it's so good because it's 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 got that harry potter quality and it's minimalism right and there's also like a a magicality to it too yes right like Mm -hmm, but there's also i don't know if you guys think this or maybe it's just me it does this theme sound slightly sinister to you oh yeah definitely Like it's a little creepy. It's a little festive. Yeah, I like that lane. Creepy a lot. festive. Creepy festive. That's that's what I prefer my festive to be. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of Santa Claus. I'm mostly, of- like, I'm mostly like Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. This theme has a lot of like different movement. I don't know. I'm not a music guy, so I'm going to say the word movement, and I hope that's correct. It like it starts out as festive and kind of joyful. And then it goes all kind of like sneaky and then downright sinister and then becomes like a Hallmark movie theme at the end. Yeah. yeah. I think that even shows in the movie too, right? Like, yeah. like the, that, wah, 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 wah. that's actually just Christmas. That just yeah. sounds like, that sounds like a sugar cookie. Yeah, <laughs> it does. <laughs> it sounds like lights on the tree, presents. So I had pulled up John Williams' uh, filmography while Jesse was talking so I could maybe compare it to a few things that he hadn't named, except that, oh, wait, John Williams has soundtrack credits numbering 425 as of this recording. So there's no way I'm scrolling through this. That's wild. He even has a credit for It Chapter 2. Like, what are we doing? That's wild. Anyway, no, I I would agree, though, probably, probably top 10. 
I would say anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably top 10. I don't know. I don't really have like an ear to my, my ears. Don't keep themes very well. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a John Williams theme and it's like, Oh yeah, this feels like home. This feels comfortable. Um, in the same way that, that any of the other ones do or any of the big other ones do, I, I guess. And so, yeah, I think that puts it top 10 for sure. I, I would ask Jesse by putting it at six, you did not mention Jurassic Park. Are you slighting Jurassic Park? Is this an intentional yeah, oversight? You know, I, I think I saw a, a funny YouTube video like a few years back. You know, there's that iconic scene where they're, they're where he says like, "Welcome to Jurassic Park." They look out over the lake. They see the dinosaurs. Yeah, cute, cute videos, tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the theme starts. And so there's this YouTube video where instead of that, it's a bad guy in like a kazoo or something like. It's a great video. It's a great video. I mean, it's so stupid, but it's really funny. (laughs) But ever since I've seen that, I can't, I can't not think of that as the theme rather than the real theme. So it's kind of been ruined ever since. What about uh, just just I just want to throw a couple curveballs in this segment because I think we'll we're going to be talking a lot about John Williams in a, in a lot of different episodes and I'd like to come yeah. back to this segment. But like, what do you think about this in terms of the Catch Me If You Can soundtrack with that with that jazz opening? I don't remember it at all. Ah! I have no idea. How about the Patriot? <laughs> no, that I one. I don't remember the Patriot. I don't remember it. I mean, but he's on it. No, right? he made it. Yeah, yeah. he made it. But I, Private Ryan. I remember the music in Saving Private Ryan. See, this is this is this is like my my big weakness is that I don't remember themes at all, at all, except for you know that's good Star Wars. That's, that's Star good. Wars. Well, it's because it's because you've seen it in eight separate times, and then each of those times like a thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll, we'll we'll come back to it, and uh, maybe this will be like one of those things where Vito just talks about it, and everyone else is like, "Yeah, Vito, just get to the point." But I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that in terms of nostalgia, Mike, where are you with Home Alone? I think you have an interesting story for us. Yeah, well, I, I kind of do. Um, so I, I actually have a bombshell to drop here. I have never seen this movie or I had never seen this movie until last week when I watched it. Whoa. Not sp- once. <laughs> not a single time. I, but see, that was like a big reveal to me. I thought I had seen this movie. I was certain I had seen this movie multiple times, <laughs> <laughs> which was so it was just so weird. I turned it on like, this isn't Home Alone. I've seen Home Alone, but it's I guess it's just like so much a part of the culture, and it's so. And I've seen so which many, Home Alone did you see? I don't know. I don't know if I saw any. Describe of them. the Home Alone that you remember. What I all that I remember is I. I think that what I saw was just like the part where he's beating up on the on the burglars, and that's right. it. And I thought that is Home Alone. But it, but it was like, it was the beating up on the burglars from this movie. I I think it was. I think it was. Were they in a crappy like rundown New York apartment? I saw some of that too. Oh, okay. So I think I must have seen like snippets of it, but I definitely did not see enough to say like, oh, I've seen this whole movie, but in snippets. Oh, okay. like I have not seen this whole movie. I've only seen the scene, like the scenes where he beats up on the burglars. I'm just going to point out that, like, I'm sure some people here might be shocked to hear that from Mike, but it's so funny that the one who's most shocked about it is Mike himself. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was crazy. I was like, oh yeah, it's Home Alone. I've seen this a million times. No, not once. <laughs> not even a not single even time. once. 
<laughs> so so when Buzz looks at Kevin and says, "You couldn't sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass," <laughs> you just died because it was did. the first time. It was amazing. It was so funny. <laughs> like everything about this movie, it was it was so much fun to come at it for the first time ever. Because I was like, "This is this is amazing." Yeah. So so when when they show the old man shoveling like uh, salt on the sidewalk, you were like, "He's a killer." Well, I mean. You thought I, he was a killer. I, I didn't. You I, thought he was a killer. I, you thought I, mean, I kind of recognized that there would there be were... some specific beats to it that I I kind of knew, and I was like, "Oh, he's going to end up being the guy who comes and saves." I think you saw. You thought there were dismembered limbs in that salt. Yeah, no, there were definitely dismembered limbs in the salt. I'm pretty I, sure I that's was, what you thought. I was definitely, because I'm just picturing that. like I was freaking out. I'm just actually. picturing like six year old Mike seeing this because that that's just I, when I watch yeah. this movie, I'm always transported back to that. Yeah, yeah. But you 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 watch it as a grown man. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I almost want to like fast forward to the end of the show just to like hear if you would watch this with your kids, but don't spoil it. I just, I just would want to okay. know. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, so no nostalgia. But- yeah, no nostalgia at all, but well, no nostalgia with this movie, but everything about this movie, there's a lot of nostalgia. It's like, this is a John Hughes movie, the comedy, sort of the pacing, the way it's shot, everything about it is very much um, like, oh yeah, this is, this is the kind of movie that I watched when I was a kid. Um, even though I didn't watch this movie as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse, Jesse, to make up for how few times Mike watched this as a child, how many times did you watch this as a child? (laughs) I watched it regularly, way more than Mike. I would say, I would say times, but you know, a thousand times zero equals zero. So I would say at least a thousand times more than watching it as many times as I did. That's true. Yeah. Good math, guys. Good math. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've seen this movie hundreds of times. It was a staple for me and for my family. I watched it on multiple occasions. I used to get like really bored in the middle section and not think that section was very funny. And then sometimes fast forward until totally agree. Just to like fast forward to the traps. <laughs> yeah, fast forward to the traps because that was always the good part, right? Yeah. You would, you would watch the intro, fast forward through the slow sections in the middle, and get to the traps. And the traps yeah. were so you, funny. Human drama emotions. Who cares about <laughs> that? I just want to see that guy get a paint can to the face. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I didn't just do this with this movie. I did it with like even when I was really young, and like we were talking about in the Cinderella podcast, baby. I used to fast forward through like the first few minutes of the of the opening song because it goes on for so long and then this is something i found out tons of people have done apparently i used to watch the muppets christmas carol and fast forward through the the one romantic song that they have in there and apparently so many people our age have done that that they took that song out really (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw that i was like I can't believe I can't believe I never knew that there were a bunch of people that did this. That's so cool. Like um, enough enough that it was like almost a cultural editing of a piece of art <laughs> to say like this doesn't work for anyone. That's amazing. Get this out of here. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And fast forwarding through movies. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. So anyway, I used to watch this a lot. I even have like the super particular memory of like me and all my family sitting down and watching it. Like I'm sure this happened on multiple occasions, but there's one particular time where we did. And I think my dad hadn't seen it in forever because he was just, he was laughing so hard at everything. And because he was laughing so hard, I was laughing at everything too. And then the next day, 
or maybe it was like two days later, something like that. I watched it again because, you know, that's what you do when you're a little kid. You just watch the same movies over and over again. So uh, a couple days later, I started watching the movie again. And I remember being really sad that my dad wasn't there to watch it with me because if he wasn't there to laugh, then it wasn't as enjoyable. So I mentioned this to my mom. And my mom being my mom, she, you know, went over to my dad. It's just like, all right, Jesse really wants you to watch the movie with him. He says it's funnier when you watch it. And so he comes out <laughs> and he does a couple like nose snorts. They weren't real laughs or whatever. I remember being like really disappointed and not, not understanding why he didn't think it was funny the second time around. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that, that's when I learned adults don't like to watch movies like two times, once every day. And it that's when it dawned on me that maybe that's not how you're supposed to watch movies. I don't know. I mean, you, you tell that to me watching home alone 30 times in a row <laughs> <laughs> today. I have a near photographic memory of this movie. Cause it's actually all I can remember. I had to delete memories from my early childhood, from my wedding, you know, just to make room <laughs> for home alone. Free up that, that hard drive space. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a staple in my childhood, staple for my family. That's, that's about that's all the nostalgia I have. Tons more nostalgia just for like I I still remember most of what I thought about the movie when I was watching it and stuff. But maybe we can get into that later. Uh, what's your connection with this veto? Uh, it, it's pretty similar to yours. Just watching this over and over, you know, renting it from the library or watching the VHS recorded tape that we had because it aired. Um, and then my, my mom was nice enough to have gone back through and then deleted the commercials. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was really nice for her. But you just have these weird blank spots in the movie. Yeah. Love this movie. Loved it a long time. Uh, as a kid, definitely preferred Home Alone 2 because of the amount more traps. But it still similarly had a really weighty, dramatic section in the middle that as a child I just simply had no time for. It gave me chaos and comedy. That's all I want from these movies. Pratt like, Falls. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. That's actually why I liked Home Alone 3 the most out of all of them. Because it's the first one I saw, actually. And it's the one that is, I don't know, maybe, to be fair, 1 16th story and 15 16th just traps. It's it's a bunch more guys. It's a lot more chaos. It's just people getting hurt constantly. It's like a live action Looney Tune. But what I liked from these first two Home Alones is that they they made the hits count. They made him like painful, you know. Oh yeah. And that's what I was in for as a kid. And now you know, now as an adult, I'm watching stuff like the Raid Redemption. So look where it got me, guys. It wasn't violent video games that did it. It was Home Alone. But deep deep connection with this. And it's funny looking back at this movie and thinking about the stuff that I respond to now. I, I, the traps are funny, but they're so shrill and explosive. That I actually just I kind of like the comedy. I like the I like the drama. I like the human interaction. I like the the aunts and the uncles of it all. I like the the cousins. It's fun. Yeah, yeah the beginning and the middle of this movie are something I really respond to now. I I was laughing so hard during the middle of the movie, probably more than than the end, like I used to. Yeah, at the end. I mean, I laugh. I laugh when. Uh, well, I, I don't want to step on it, but. My favorite line from the beginning of the movie, it's a really small moment that happens, but it's something I connected to really deeply now watching it and remembering my nostalgia as a kid. So it's when 
you know, Joe Pesci showed up at the house. He's impersonating the police officer, right? Mm -hmm. And all the kids are running around. He's just trying to find an adult. There's no adults in this house for some reason, because all these adults kind of like don't care about their kids. The kids are just doing whatever <laughs> and they're just fine with it. They're doing, they're living their lives. Just like, leave me alone. That's, that's all they want. They and they almost just alone. say that to the kids. Yeah. Just like, get out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> get like, out of I have face. things to do. Yeah. At the beginning, this house is so chaotic. I don't think I've ever seen a house this chaotic before. I've been on vacation. This is not quite what happens the night before. No. No, no, I, I, I've known families with, with as many children in, with one father and one mother as there are here with two sets, okay? And the chaos is still not this level. I wonder if it's because there's like two conjoined families coming together that that's where all the chaos comes from. The I, fact I, that there's two of them. It might be. I, th I think that that's what it's got to be. I could see that. You can't figure out who's the head, like who's the executive power. I mean, Joe Pesci can't. And neither yeah. can the pizza guy. Yeah, neither can the pizza guy. And the pizza guy just knows that someone owes him $100 for 12 pizzas. <laughs> what a deal. That's uh, great. <laughs> oh, dude, like I love when he comes and he tells Joe Pesci, who's a cop standing there, that, like, oh, that'll be $122.50. Yes. <laughs> like, but it's it's when, it's when uh, you know, the pizzas are taken away and the dad comes and pays it. And it's just a moment where Joe Pesci is just standing there in the hallway and Kevin sprints down the stairs just going pizza 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 because <laughs> i remember being a kid and i remember getting excited about stuff but there was nothing more exciting than like hot pizza yeah and you know people got pizza because no one wanted to cook for 15 people in a house yeah. that's one of my favorite moments from this movie it's just a, a wild deranged macaulay culkin running by just going pizza pizza <laughs> that's how i felt so much as a kid I just I, I reacted really deeply with that, uh, especially now that I'm an adult, and I respond exactly the same way. It embarrasses my wife to no end. I sprint <laughs> to the door, yelling "Pizza, pizza!" We're on a blacklist from Domino's at the moment. <laughs> but uh, uh, Mike, what, what's something like in these early scenes? What's something that you that that stood out to you? You respond to? Oh man, it's your favorite. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely the opening scene is uh, or sequence is, is amazing and hilarious. I think it like captures the feeling of being a kid when like your cousins come over and you're all going to go do something together. You feel like it's very exciting, but you're also very small. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know uh, where you stand with people or you do know and they hate you. You little um, jerk. You little jerk. <laughs> uh, but you're I, such a I think you're such a disease. <laughs> You're a joke, Uncle George. Yeah. I love that one. One of my favorite scenes from it is when is after. Um, God, I, there's so much in this movie that's amazing and like hilarious. I'm like, oh, I would, I would do that. Like if I ever had five minutes to myself as a kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm eating junk and watching garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, but like when he goes down into the basement and he gets freaked out by the heater. Uh, like that was just such a good scene, man. That was so great. I love that. I love also that the heater, either in his imagination or not, has an impetus. You know, it, it opens and closes. It's like, yeah. oh, oh, and it like lights up for Kevin. I was, is that like a heater thing? Were there, no. are there like old heaters that do that? Or is that just like, I, I, I can't imagine why it would. It sounds more dangerous that when your heater turns <laughs> on, it would open its flames to the world. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Jesse, uh, in, in these opening moments, like what what stands out to you? What do you like the most? Oh, I like I like so many things about the opening moments now. So uh, one particular scene that I have an attachment to as a kid is when Kevin 
is stomping up and down on the upstairs floor and say and screaming, I'm gonna live alone when I grow up. I'm living alone. <laughs> and, and as a little kid, I knew exactly what he meant. And like I had the all right, so so when I watched this movie one time, I, I think I was super pissed at my parents and my brothers or whatever. And he said that, it's just like, yes, Kevin, you get me. I understand you. I feel you right now. All I want to do is live in this house by myself. I'm going to kick everybody else out. I'll be fine here. I'll be fine. I don't need nobody. But Jesse, doesn't he say, when I grow up and get married and have kids, I'm living alone? Watching that growing up, that part never struck me as funny. And then watching it as an adult, I was just like, I didn't realize... <laughs> He's saying something so stupid right now. He's saying something so dumb. And as a child, I thought I thought it was like emotionally deep or some crap like that. Yeah. It's so yeah. great. Well, you, just, yeah. you just went with it. I, I don't know. I get that vibe, man. Like, like sometimes, <laughs> like you know what? I'm really glad I have my wife. I'm really glad I have my kids. But sometimes, just for like an hour, I want to live alone. Yeah. It's funny is I, I've gone through that recently. Uh, last year, my wife and my daughter left for about three weeks. Um, I wish we were doing the podcast then because we would have banged out some killer episodes. But in the meantime, all I had was regular old boring work. And so I worked a lot. And I think it was about, oh, I don't know, probably day three where I was going, oh, man, this would be really hard. <laughs> I, I don't want to live alone anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I get I get what you're saying totally, Jesse. Like as a kid, like you just want some independence. Oh yeah, that's all I cared about as a kid, and I, uh, oh, yeah. But that scene is so funny now. It's even funnier knowing that I I used to think that way when I was a little kid. And then my other really favorite scene from this beginning opening with like the chaos of the house and all that is like they're all eating dinner and they order the pizzas, and then and then Kevin knocks Buzz over, who spills the Pepsi onto other pizzas. It causes absolute chaos, apparently. If you spill Pepsi, apparently everybody freaks out. Well, it's on the passports, um, Jesse. Oh, yeah, they were on the passports, and then somebody backs his yeah. chair into Fuller, the little kid, and his face gets squished against the wall. <laughs> and, then, really funny. <laughs> and somehow, somehow, in all this chaos, everybody knows Kevin's the one to blame, and that they all need to turn around and look at him. <laughs> Because look, look, out of any family gathering I've ever been to, and I've been a little kid, I've been a big kid too, the buzz is making fake puking sounds for an extended period of time, mocking a small child. In any family <laughs> gathering I've been in, as a small child, I was immediately vindicated because the big child was punished. Or as the big kid, I was punished and I did not have a nice evening. But the whole family is like, Kevin sucks. Let's beat up Kevin. <laughs> oh, jeez. The family are such assholes. That's one thing I used to think as a kid and still think now. I still think oh, so. Holy cow. They're awful. They're, they hate They hate this kid. <laughs> and, like, he's kind of annoying, sure. But, I mean, I, I show me a little boy that's, like, six years old that's not annoying. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do when you're six years old. Yeah. It, not even as a little boy. Just you're a six-year-old yeah. child. You're annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out there. Kevin is not nearly as annoying as Fuller. That little kid gives me the creeps. The way he I drinks his little Pepsi. <laughs> Dude, he's just on that sugar high, man. He's just going crazy. No, no, Fuller's like Fuller's just like a full-on crackhead. Like, <laughs> who knows how many Pepsi he's had pipe. today? Like, <laughs> well, I remember that, too, as a kid. I was like, there's lots of people here. That means I can have as much 
soda or Juice, whatever, anything, Gatorade, sugar, sugar cubes. That was a thing oh. in our family gatherings. My what? grandma, my, my grandma, she had like sugar, sugar cubes for her coffee. Sure. And they were all in like this tin and I knew where it was. So when we had a big family gathering, I would always go and take, you know, one and then two and then 10. It was, wow. it was wild. Yeah. That might, that might be why you have dentures at this, at this time. Oh yeah. Life. No, um, that's probably, that's probably it. Yeah. I mean, they're really shiny. I mean, great job. All gold. They're gold. Yes. I would yeah. not have guessed. Well, they are. I thought they were painted, but I mean, I guess you're, you're a big roller buddy. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so in, in this sort of like maelstrom, there's a detail in this movie that has been floating around a little bit on like some film Twitter, a little bit on some of the, the good circles. But I would just want to point out to our listeners, if there's ever any question like, how could you have forgotten your kid? So there's two answers I want to give you. Number one is the one that's most clear in the movie, right? There's a head count done by some siblings that don't care about this kind of thing. And they just count the neighbor kid in the van in the next scene, right? Because his back's to them <laughs> and he looks about the same size as Kevin is. Yeah, and he's wearing the hat and, yeah. the, and, the, and the coat that's very similar to Kevin's, yeah. right? Yeah. They're not just negligent. They're just busy and yeah. don't care a little bit, just in the way that older kids don't care in big families. Yeah. But let me tell you, like going to airports, if you go to an airport and you bought tickets for your kids, you're going to know... That your kid isn't there because you have the kid's ticket, so it doesn't make sense that Kevin's left behind. But the uh, the big kicker here is that when Kevin causes all of the liquid to get spilled and things to fall over and all of the chaos and is the worst, a very important piece of paper gets thrown in the garbage along with the napkins and other stuff. His ticket, the ticket that says Kevin on it, and you can see it. I just saw it there. I just went back and I looked. You can see the ticket in the trash can. It, it's in the quick insert shot where the trash can lid comes up and the stuff gets dumped and then the, it cuts. It's it's maybe one second, yeah. maybe one second. Yeah, maybe. So just for anyone that has not seen this movie in a while or just remembers it from being a kid and being like, huh, it's really weird. They're terrible parents. Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd should feel bad. They don't, they're not good parents of their kids. Well, first of all, uh, they, they trusted they trusted their constituents to support them <laughs> and their constituents failed. And number two, they are seated in first class and not in economy with their kids. Number three, the ticket for Kevin is gone. Number four, they're bad parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. But I just, I just wanted to throw that out there here in like the opening kind of the movie. That's something that was like a big shocker to me. Enough of a shocker that I immediately sent it to you two guys. And was like, did you yeah. see this? Cause I never did. And I, like, like Jesse, I've seen this a hundred times at the very yeah. least. I've never noticed that before. It was a really fun detail. You know, it's nice to know when, when movies actually put that sort of detail into their movies. Wait, well, did I, I see I'm movies big... into movies? You did. Oh yeah. Well, I stand by every word. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm a big because fan they of that. Do, wait, they do put a movie in this movie, and I stand by that too. Angels with filthy souls. Angels with dirty faces. Filthy no. souls is filthy souls the second? No, angel dirty faces is That's a real, a real movie. movie. Yeah, it's filthy souls in this one. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, Why would I be correcting you? You definitely know this movie better than I do. <laughs> oh, one time, I saw it one time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the second one though, is I think it's angels with even filthier even souls. Filthier souls. Yes. 
<laughs> and it's worse because he kills he kills a woman in that one, right? And, okay, and I saw the second down. one then. Okay, I yeah. must have seen the second one. Yeah, I remember a woman getting shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. and and he kills her because she's she's ugly and two timing. Yeah. yeah. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah. Okay, that's all right. Okay, now now it's starting to make a lot uh, of sense. But in this one, in this one, it's a guy that gets shot. And when Kevin's watching this movie, you know, uh, he's watching this gangster movie called Angels of Filthy, Filthy Souls, and the guy gets shot. And his name is Snakes. And one of my favorite lines in this movie is when Marv is, like, listening to this and Kevin plays him that recording and, like, stops and pauses and fast forwards and rewinds and stuff and, like, lights some firecrackers in a pot so that way it sounds like there's real gunshots going on and marv gets so freaked out he runs back to the van it's just like somebody just got blown away <laughs> i don't know but who like, it was but i know i've heard the name snakes before goes, and then harry then, just stands there yes. saying snakes snakes i don't know no snakes i don't know no snakes i don't know no snakes yeah <laughs> He's like running down the list of of uh, aficionados of, of sorry of, of, of aliases of yeah. people in his head like okay of other well, burglars like like yeah head. like he's like that's Danny Danny goes Danny goes by like by like the D man that's not <laughs> it uh, is it is it is it Sylvester no he goes by Sil bad name I know no snakes I don't know no snakes it's beautiful <laughs> I that. Yeah. okay so moving into in, in like the, the next part of the movie there's the big uproar there's a power outage that happens. The family are all in danger of losing their flights. They leave, leaving Kevin alone. And w- another one of my favorite moments in this, because I don't really have favorite scenes necessarily. I have one favorite scene in this whole movie, and we'll get to it. But my favorite moment from this is when he looks almost dead in the camera and says, I'm alone. <laughs> That's so good. Because then he does like this big kid, like eyebrow pump. You know, he's like pump, pump. My my family disappeared. Pump pump, <laughs> and you know, like shenanigans are going to ensue. I love it. It's so much fun. And he goes running around. And that's yeah. when he jumps on the bed and pulls everything apart. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then he's and that's when you're talking about Mike. Like he, uh, he oh sits yeah, down I jumped to watch. the gun. No, it's great. No, but he sits down to watch it and he's like, I'm eating junk. What is it? I'm eating. I'm eating trash and watching garbage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> right before that sequence, he's uh, he wakes up, he goes down the stairs, he goes to the kitchen, and then he turns on a little television. And that little television, all right, I remember it really struck me as a little kid because just like, they must be so loaded with money because they have two TVs and one of them is in the kitchen of all places where they can just eat breakfast and watch television. I thought that was so cool. And then watching it now, it's like, that is just so quintessentially nineties right there. It has a nineties look, a nineties feel. I think it might be one of the most nineties parts of this movie. Besides the fact that when their power goes off, they lose all access to uh, their clocks and their alarms. Sure. I was like, wow, that would never happen now. This whole plot doesn't happen in 2020. No, because like your phone is probably kind of charged. It's still going to go off in the morning. One of those 11 people. Yes. Has a charged phone. Yes. That goes off in the morning. And they will get up and they'll wonder why no one else is awake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then going, going ahead, like Kevin's Kevin's uh, at home. Um, he's he's just doing the stuff that he wants to do. He has to uh, he has to go out for supplies, <clears throat> and that's kind of where the robbers are starting to intersect with him. Right, they're watching the block. You know, Joe Pesci's already been to the house to case the joint, as they say, mm-hmm. um, and he knows that everyone's going out of town, and he even knows their timers. 
I love that scene, dude. Yeah. That's so much fun. Yeah. He's like, 603, 608. And the lights that come up on each one of them. Yeah. And this is this is kind of like the section of the movie where, uh, as an adult, I really responded to this, where it's, it's deepening the character of Kevin as a person. Because really all that we've seen of Kevin is he's kind of a jerk. Like, you see he's picked on, but he's yeah. also not nice. Yeah. Like, like when, he, when, he, when he tells his, when his mom says, get upstairs. And he goes, well, why don't you make me? And you're kind of like, all right. Okay. <laughs> but this leads me into this question here I want to pose to you guys. Oh, yeah. On a scale of zero to ten, okay? Zero being... I don't know. Keanu Reeves. You can say Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that's a good one. You like Keanu Reeves as a person? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so on a baseline of, let's say, zero, and if zero is Keanu Reeves as the celebrity that we know, you know, beautiful, good-natured, has nothing bad to say about anyone, just wants to help people, person who donated most of his earnings from the Matrix to people in need, Keanu Reeves. Who, like, and- randomly gives away his clothing to people. He's like, oh, here's a jacket. Sure. It cost a million dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like someone, I, I don't even know if he would even buy something that cost a million dollars because I don't know yeah. if he even keeps a million dollars in his bank account because he's, he's, he's giving it, it away. all away. Yeah. Right. So if that level of philanthropy or, or goodness in terms of pop culture and then contrasting that with something like, I don't know, the Joker at 10, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Keith Ledger's Joker at number Keith 10. Ledger's Joker. Okay. Where is Kevin on the I'm a jerk scale? Where is it's a big scale. It is. I wanted 180 degrees. Eight would be like Mods Mickelson in Casino Royale. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's probably an eight. I could see him getting to eight. I could see him getting there. I mean, you know, like like this is definitely this yeah. is an origin story. It's the beginning of things, but he's clearly discovered that he's got natural talent for screwing people over. Sure. Like he, he's very good at hurting people. Like he could blossom into a kind of of super villain like the Joker, but maybe never reach that chaotic energy. I, I don't think that he would be totally random about it. Everything would have a purpose. Sure. You know, he, he would be, he he's be never like, a chaotic evil. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Not chaotic evil. He's definitely like, uh, like order. So, know? so if he were to grow up to be a super villain, Jesse, I want to, I want to know your thoughts on this. If he were to grow up to be a super villain, what kind of super villain would Kevin McAllister grow up to be? It's it's this guy, aka Kevin McAllister. Uh, yeah, I think I think he would be like the Riddler, but way smarter. Like the Riddler as a character is always a guy who always has to like always has to give things away. In fact, that's why he does riddles, right? Because he has to give away his traps at the end. And he. Kevin is that methodical without the riddle part. Just he's just going to mess with you. He's he really is jigsaw level evil. Although I, well, he could be. This could be his origin story, right? Because this this is like him when he's like defending his turf, right? Because he even says that like I have to protect my home. So you you're in right. with the struggle, but yeah. I just like forecasting it out. Yeah, I think jigsaw is probably a good one. Uh, the Riddler's pretty close. Maybe something like uh, I don't know. Um, Maybe like Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs is too far. He's not sadistic yeah, like that. Yeah, he's not sadistic. Well, he's a little sadistic. 
But he doesn't just do it because he wants Have to you had see enough, what it looks like. Or are you thirsty for more? <laughs> <laughs> or, or I just had this thought. This could be a really sweet origin story of of the old man from Up, right? That's why he doesn't want to give up the house because he's always defended his home. Wow. <laughs> And then he comes up with this like insane plot to like have the balloons. I think I think that could work. Because yeah. otherwise, otherwise you might end up uh, someone that I was thinking of in terms of planning and in terms of like long-standing revenge. Because he clearly hates these wet bandits, right? Is like maybe like syndrome. Syndrome. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. another Pixar guy. Yeah. Anyway, no, because because now we're building up to our our finale. But before we kind of get. To them, to the the thing that we want to see, the traps, right? Yeah, I I, I want to talk about my favorite scene. I want to hear what you guys think. It's when he's in the church. This is my favorite oh, yeah. scene. Yeah, this scene is heartbreaking. This scene makes me cry. It's made me cry four Christmases now in a row. It's beautiful. It's just him talking with this old man. It, it does set a template, I guess, for the next movie, right? Because he has the thing with the with the pigeon lady, um, who, as we know, is not Pierce Morgan. Um, he's told us it's it's not Pierce Morgan. No. <laughs> Just in case you want, I don't believe him. <laughs> but this scene is so is so beautiful, and does this scene feel out of place to you guys? It kind of comes a little out of left field, but I don't think so. I don't think it's out of place. I mean, the whole movie. It's what I was really surprised at with it was how slow paced it was, how not slapstick most of it is. And with uh, with the fact that like what we've actually got here is like this little kid who's feeling very much alone. Um, and then he is alone. His wish comes true. This terrible wish that he, he makes that he never has a family. And sort of realizing like, oh, no, I do love my family. They do love me. I want them back. I want my mom back. I want my dad back. I want even my jerky big brother buzz. <laughs> um, and then he encounters this old man and he realizes it. it who, this old man who's like the boogeyman originally and he realizes oh no this guy he's not the boogeyman he's just a normal guy and he's a sad person who's who's also lost his family just like me yeah and then he goes from there from from talking it through with the old man to overcoming the burglars and i i think that that's that's kind of a cool motion of the film yeah and it, the you, film. you get that like awesome um john williams kick up score it's like where you have the little bells that go and then yeah yeah it's it's really fun because then you know yeah it is hilarious that it goes from like that serious scene in the church to like then immediately he's got to like run home and set all his traps up yeah like don't you think you should be like reach out to your son okay now i gotta go kill these people (laughs) (laughs) it's great He's like, yeah, maybe a little out of place. He's like, here's a, here's a nail on the steps. Here's some, here's some Christmas balls underneath the window. Like it's diabolical. (laughs) Well, Jesse, but before we get, we get to the meat of it, did did you respond to the scene? I mean, like I, I I cried. Yeah. I I don't really cry at this scene. I, I don't know. This movie is not that emotional to me. It's more like I've seen that so many times. I can't yeah. like I've used up all my emotion except for laughing. I still laugh, laugh at it. It's just like, I know all the beats so well. I don't know. Um, but it, it did strike me. This scene is very weird. It's like, it's like you were saying, it feels kind of out of place, but the now watching it as an adult, I realize this is more 
it's not quite a coming of age story because he doesn't come of age, but it's more like he suddenly grows and leaps in maturity, right? Because at the beginning, he's super incompetent, can't even pack his own suitcase. He makes a huge deal about that. And then uh, it's it's him going to the grocery store and buying things and getting things like a toothbrush for himself in the middle of the movie. And then I guess it's like it's well, him like, realizing he loves his family. He goes to ask Santa for his family. And then now now he's faced with this old man. And this old man was somebody who was kind of set up to be the villain. Uh, at least in his mind, right? He's he's run away from him multiple times, and he's suddenly realizing he's actually a nice guy. Um, I think it kind of puts a little capstone on just how how his whole world has completely turned upside down, how he's gone from hating his family to loving his family. And I think he realizes in that scene how important love of family is, which is why he needs to go back and defend his home all of a sudden, because he needs to make sure that if if Santa actually delivers his family, that they have a home to come to. Nice. Yeah. 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 You put That's that really good. well. And 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 to to add in with the with the growth, there's there's a small scene that I it's it's really short. It's mostly just funny. But when he goes grocery shopping, yeah. right? And he buys, as he says later in the movie, I, I bought fabric softener. But when he's <laughs> there and and he's checking out and the the check stand person is, you know, she's eyeing him. You know, like, this is weird. This is a lot of money and a lot of things for a small kid. And he's, like, flipping through the coupon book and remarking upon the things as she clicks them, right? Like, oh, it's for the kids. (laughs) For the kids. Uh, But then when when he goes, hey, you know if those TV dinners are any good? And she's like, no, I I, I don't. He goes, hmm. Thought I'd try him out. (laughs) (laughs) Which is something that I've actually said to a grocery clerk because I felt judged on my choice of <laughs> items and I just wanted to let her know that this is not normal for me. And if it was normal, I didn't want her to know that. <laughs> like when she rings up my five cans of Vienna sausages, I just wanted her to know that that's weird for me. But guess what? It's not. It's not weird for Vito. Vito loves Vienna sausages. It, it's weird. It is very weird. Not weird for Vito. do. There's a lot of them. There is an there is a cupboard full of them. Like, at least a shelf. You're not lying. <laughs> it's like the Mormon thing. You gotta have, like, two years in stock in case there's an apocalypse or whatever. Because if you don't get your Vienna sausages, you end up bursting out more tentacles, right? Is I that do. It, it's how I keep it down. It's how I keep it down. It, it's the reason I have so many now is because uh, I didn't know that this was the cure, you know. But I, this is like Superman's kryptonite, except I need it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Otherwise, I turn into like Cthulhu, which is supposed yeah. to be my final form. Yeah. I'm resisting it, though, guys. Just like Hellboy, I don't want to be the Hellbringer of the Apocalypse. Dude, right on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do my um, best. With this checkout lady, though, I, I love their conversation. I don't want to quote the whole thing, but that last line, because she's trying to figure out why is there a kid buying all this stuff? Uh, he clearly is like eight years old. He doesn't really have the money. Where are his parents? Where are his sisters? And, and she asks him all that, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> and then finally she says, well, where do you live? He's like, uh, I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, that comeback is so good because he's right. There's no reason for her to possibly know where on earth this little child lives. And she just like goes on with her day. 
And he, he, because he answered each question perfectly, right? Each time, where's your mom? Where's your dad? And he's like, he just comes back at her immediately, like as if it were the truth, right? It's incredible. Uh, oh. But like that, that's that maturation, right? And it's, it's so much in contrast to the last time he went shopping where he was so terrified by the old man that he runs out with the toothbrush. And he asked, you know, is this toothbrush ADA uh, approved? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> approved by the American Dental yeah, Association. Yeah. She goes, I don't know. Herb, can you come up here for a minute? <laughs> is this toothbrush approved by the American Dental Association? And he's just like, I don't. Why would you ask me that? Asking me? Sure. <laughs> I, they wouldn't even have any idea how to figure that out. I don't know how to figure that out without an iPhone, which none of them have. No, because it's the 90s. Is it on the package? No? Well, I don't know. Shove it. Get out of here. Like, yeah. <laughs> Buy it or don't. <laughs> Um, I think this this also does a really a really smart thing, and it, it comes also in contrast to an earlier scene too. When, um, meanwhile, Kevin's whole family's in France, and they're they're all justifiably freaking out over their oversight. Uh, where Catherine O'Hara uh, gets a hold of the police station. That's a really funny scene too, yeah. where, they're, where they're ringing back and forth across <laughs> yeah. the wall. Hysterical line two for you. <laughs> <laughs> but they get a policeman to come to the house, right? And he knocks on the door, but Kevin's terrified. He's already been yeah. terrified by the robbers who tried to come into the garage. There's this fundamental distrust of the police that's already happened in the movie so that when the cop charges after him, you kind of feel like Kevin really is truly alone. Yeah. Like he can't go to anyone. He's too scared. He's too small. Everyone distrusts everything he does, just like his family did. Oh, I never, I never realized that till right now. But like when he says, "I'm a criminal for stealing the toothbrush," that's why he is. That's why he needs to bring the robbers to the other house because I think he's afraid to bring them into his house. Oh I never gosh. thought that till right now. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, I just, I, I just think this movie yeah. just like builds on itself. And when you're a kid, it just floats by. But when you're an adult and you're actually like paying attention, it, it, it's so smart in how it just makes you buy things intrinsically. Yeah. On a, on a base level and you never question it you never go like well if you'd only call the cops because in your head you're the small child inside of you is going well i know why he's not calling the cops it's because they'd the arrest him the bad guy yeah they, they, he, and they're he going to arrest him yeah he doesn't want to help him like yeah, he's got to take care of himself yeah it's kind of amazing how well structured this movie is for a kid's movie like yeah. it's really really well put together yeah I think it's why it's, it's an enduring classic yeah. like your dad jesse can just like laugh laugh himself crazy over and then, you know, you also are enjoying the experience on your own level. Yeah. But here we are. We're here. here we, we are. At we made the it. the finale, right? Wait, hold on. Oh, oh, hold, hold us back. Hold us back. Before the finale, right, there's, there's John Candy, who we just need oh to talk God. about yeah, for a minute. John Candy. He's an oversight of oh, for sure. Man. Big oversight. Uh, because while they're all in France... Uh, oh, and also, there's one other line in France I want to talk about that it's Buzz says, and this was quoted by my family for for a while. And when he's talking about not being worried about Kevin, um, he says to his sister, "I'm not worried for three reasons: a, <laughs> a, I'm not that lucky; two, we have smoke detectors; and D, <laughs> and I don't remember what he says for D, but the fact that he goes from order A two to D is so <laughs> funny." Yeah. I just did like that reason two is the smoke detectors. <laughs> like the biggest issue is that he might burn the place down. 
Which you mentioned several times. Yeah, like he's definitely like Buzz is definitely afraid of the house burning down. Like that's his big the whole fear. family. Probably because of the heater, because of their messed up heater in the basement. <laughs> there you go. There we go. He's doing that. That's why Kevin's freaked out. He's like, the basement's gonna light. Everyone fire. knows that the basement is like <laughs> to use video game parlance is a cuphead level boss. Yeah. You know, and they're just like, we don't mess with the heater, okay? <laughs> mess with the heater. Yeah. Let it do its thing. Uh-huh. And hopefully, it won't burn us down. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I just, I love that quote and I love his ordering of A, 2, and D. I'm going to, I still use that sometimes. Uh, but then right after that, his mom, um, has been trying to get to Kevin any way she can. She finally gets some crazy ticket from Paris to, I think it's somewhere in New York or wherever. She doesn't even know. She doesn't say where she is because she doesn't know where she is at that point, but whatever it is, it's John Candy happens to be there while she's all manic and trying to talk to the to the flight attendant person to get her a ticket and he's offers her a ride. And they have this most hilarious back and forth where it turns out he's like, <laughs> he has a polka band and, and he says, uh, we sold uh 500 copies. And she's like in Chicago. Oh no. In Sheboygan, very big in Sheboygan. <laughs> you know, we're the polka Kings of, of the North of the Northeast, you know, we had a couple big hits, you know, poka, poka, poka. Uh. <laughs> it just goes on. It goes on so long. It's a it's, long time. I had no idea where that scene was going to go. Yeah. Like, I thought he was going to try try to, like, like get money out of her or something and, like, leave her in the lurch. I had no idea. I, I love, I love though, when he's, when, when she's talking, you know, when they're in the van later. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're talking together. And he's like, you know, she's like, I left my son alone. And he goes, yeah, well, kids are strong like that. You know, the missus and I, you know, we left our kid in a in a funeral, in a morgue, you know, and he was there with the corpse all day, all day, all day. <laughs> you know, brave little tyke. When he finally came to our senses and realized we wouldn't got him, you know, he was okay. After about six or seven weeks, he started talking again. <laughs> kids are resilient. Like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. No, I was just trying to cheer you up. <laughs> it's just the lady's He's like, time. well, you brought it up, you know, so yeah. I was just trying <laughs> it's like it's, well, it's a not. shitty parent and then it's contrasted with so much a worse parent <laughs> we're out on the road you know 50 out of 52 weeks a year i mean we hardly even he doesn't even know his kid he, he doesn't even he doesn't know what his kid looks like <laughs> for polka yeah exactly <laughs> for polka 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 jake kiss me polka Poke a twist. Yeah. The poke a twist. That's the best one. Yeah. This way he goes like the way he like shimmies. The poke a twist. Yeah. It's slow. Yeah. It's certain. <laughs> bop, bop, bop. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just, I love, I love the idea that there, there is a song out there in that movie that just goes poke a poke a poke a poke a poke Like, <laughs> it's true. It's not even in a poke rhythm. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just like three, four times saying poke Like, poke 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 That's probably, is that four four? That's probably four four. Anyway. Oh. No, you're right. I, John Candy is, is such a, is such a bright spot. I can't believe we almost, I, yeah. it, it just shows how much as, you know, how much I champ at the bit to get on. Um, uh, and I'm champing. Yeah. Are, are we, are we good? Do have I we, have we good. said everything we need to say? I'll let you fly. I will let you fly. Thank you. Thank you. On Eagle's wings. On Eagle's wings. So we're here at the traps. Okay. The guys have decided tonight's the night. And Kevin knows it too, because they made one unsuccessful attempt 
during which Kevin used a bunch of cardboard cutouts of famous basketball players and mannequins that are apparently in the house. Yeah, that was weird. It is weird. There's a lot of mannequins. But he's repelled them, and he can no, he can no longer. They are coming in the house. Now, a question I want to ask at this outset, because there's not a lot of story here, and to recap each one beat by beat, moment to moment, would be kind of boring. Oh, yeah. So here's the question. Which hurt the most? Which one in your gut just, you just knew, like, there's no coming back from that? Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? Take it. I, I think for me, I, I think, I think it's a lot of hurt. I think when he steps on the nail, man, when he steps on the nail, like full force, and, <laughs> and then, then stops. falls back, and he stops, and he falls all the way back. Like, that's yeah. just, that's just the worst. I, I can't, like, I don't know how you get up after that. You're just done. Well, like, I've stepped on a nail before. It, it, it It's not that bad. I've stepped on a nail before, too. It's not that bad. I, but but then he falls like very far. That's like, true. He's halfway, he's more than halfway up the stairs when he steps full on on the nail. Like that thing went through his foot. Now I definitely no, he doesn't come out the top. But uh, it, it made me sick. Yeah. Because of the way through the the angle of the camera, he goes halfway down the nail. Yeah. That that's what made me sick. Yeah. Yeah. Is that image? Okay. Yeah. So I felt a definite gut turn. I, I would say, uh... I'd say out of a pain scale, that's probably a six out of ten. Okay. Wouldn't wouldn't you say would you say it's more? With ten being stepped on a Lego? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I'd say six six, seven out of ten, sure. Yeah. What do you think, Jesse? Uh I would say yeah, I six, seven out of ten. What what what's your pick? So right before the nail thing, Marv like tries to light a light in the basement, and when he pulls on it, an iron hits him in the face from like <laughs> 20 feet above. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I imagine I'm not, I'm no doctor, but I imagine a serious concussion resulting from that compounded with maybe, maybe the paint can to the face later. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he's seriously injured at this point. No, I don't, I don't think you're going to be normal, right? Yeah. No. Never again. <laughs> like, this is this is serious trauma. Yep. Also, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. So that that's a great one. Um, I I guess what I would so I cringe the most at the nail in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of blunt impact trauma, it's either the paint cans or the iron, like Jesse is saying. But in terms of something that I I almost jump at, like it's a horror movie, is it's funny. These are all with Marv because Harry. Uh, sorry, all with with. Marv, yeah. Marv, yeah. Because Harry gets it hard, too. That's true. But when Marv steps on the Christmas ornaments and they explode and there's the close-up on his feet as, as the balls are popping, it's terrible. On, on his feet that are, like, probably already... They're definitely in pain because he stepped on a nail. Yes. And, and he stepped on tar. Yes. And he had to walk through the icy snow. Yes. And then he steps on these. But I don't know. I feel like the snow might have numbed his feet enough so that they well, don't hurt as but much. Then, but then he's in the warm house and he's, he's got shards up in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that. so I was thinking about <laughs> that. Like like a one puncture wound, the puncture made me sick. But then just hit, picturing him just like walking around with just with shards just... Yeah, and it is bleeding everywhere. Yeah. That really bugged me. That that's my pick. But in, Jesse, you bring up an interesting <laughs> idea, though. Most fatal. Okay, yeah. like 
when Harry gets the blowtorch to the head, it, that that's that's third degree. Burns. Oh yeah, is yeah. that realistic? I mean, like I I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. But like I thought that I was like, oh, he wasn't there long enough to like actually light on fire. No, because he sits was there. He? It, it the door opens. It goes. He sits there for a long time, and then he goes. He goes. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ah, it's funny. Okay. Yeah. But then, like, you know, your head doesn't look normal after that. No, that's true. You, you know, you get scarring down to the bone that way. Your your mind starts mushing. Maybe maybe it cooked his brain a little bit. But I, I do have to say, I think the most fatal hit out of everything was just the paint cans. Because didn't they do a Mythbusters on the paint cans? Do you guys remember this? Oh, I don't remember that. No. no. I, I remember watching this. Maybe yeah. I'll, maybe I'll put it in the in the show notes as a link to a YouTube video. But I remember them doing even like a half full paint can, and they constructed a staircase pretty similar. And they used those ballistic gel dummies. Yeah. And they swung it down, and they showed like your brain pan cracks when something yeah. hits you that hard from that height. Like at that point, you have two dead robbers at the, <laughs> the base of your stairs. <laughs> yeah. What a happy Christmas. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> And then just imagine sociopathic Kevin sitting, drinking some hot cocoa. They're dead. <laughs> I win. I was just Deep simply having it. a wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I, I love how he, um, right. I thought it was kind of symbolic the way he uh, kind of, they, they go up the stairs to the attic room, which is where he went in to then like come out and become the home alone kid. Like, like he went in there and he lost his family. And then he went through that out the window to escape from being that person. I thought there was something kind of symbolic about that. He has yeah. to ride down the, the slide to get to the treehouse of childhood happiness. It's um, very, this is very Dan Harmon-esque. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, it's, it is. Um, I like but, it. But yeah, it, it was, it was like, this is another of the things where I'm like, Oh, this is put together. You can see all the structure of it very clearly as an adult. Um, but like that's why it's enjoyable. Yeah. It's because you've got these sort of images that are almost mythological. Wow. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have the the home invaders. You have like like the invading barbarian hordes. You have the young prince set to to protect his domain. Yeah. And because he doesn't have the manpower, he has to use guile and trickery to do so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I, I and think there's definitely that there. Huh? And and paint cans and tarantulas and paint cans and tarantulas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I love it. What do you think, Jesse? Wait, what question are we talking about now? Oh, like oh, I, I was just commenting. He was just talking. Okay. Yeah. Then in terms of just talking, yeah. Uh, as an adult, well, I think we've already touched on this a little bit, but yeah, as an adult, you get a lot more out of the movie. Yeah, like I just, I like we were just talking about, I just found out why Kevin called the cops to the other house rather than his own house at the moment, which seems like that'd be the best idea to do right now just call the cops have them come over well i guess maybe it kind of calls into question what you're saying so when i was i was seeing it um what it seemed like to me was that one of the reasons why he wanted to do that was because he knew that they had been in that house before and they had burgled it before right that's the neighbors he is i'm like i don't think that they're they're there and uh, no. he knew that the water was there no, no, that they were I, the no, wet bandits, or no, did he not know any? I don't think about he knows that. that. Okay, I don't think. Uh, what what I thought in, in Kevin's plan, yeah. was that the robbers come out. His his weirdly his grand denouement was to cut the rope so yeah. the bandits slam into the side of the house, 
And then he runs across the street to relative safety to call the cops there. Okay. Um, you know, because he knows they're following him. And his plan is he calls the cops from his treehouse, runs across to the basement, right? Because he thinks they're going to pursue him to the basement. Wait, hold on. He's already called the cops at that point. He called the cops yeah. in his own house. Yeah. He does, yeah. But he runs across the street to the basement. He thinks they're going to follow him there. But this is the one time they're smarter than him. And they meet him at the stairs instead of following up. So I thought his idea was that he would go and like either hide in the house or lock them there. Oh, okay. That's what I thought the okay. idea was. So that they would be stuck in this new house all beat up and he was nowhere to be oh, found. Oh, yeah. Because he walks, through, he runs through the water. He's like, why is there water all over the basement? Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. That that that's just what I yeah thought no I, I think it's probably that and also what Jesse said I like, think so like he doesn't want the cops coming to no. to take him away no yeah I I don't think he ever meant to reveal himself to the cops yeah. I, that's why he uses the fake voice yeah you know um, oh yeah yeah I, I just thought that that's the one second where they are smarter okay hey yeah. Yeah, pal oh my gosh these <laughs> these guys are so dumb I can't believe it. <laughs> Uh, like watching this again, like with the tar scene with the nail and tar, it's like, dude, like they're hand railings. I don't know. You, you, you could shimmy up somehow. You could like also why spread would you your legs your out. Off? Why would you take your shoes off? It's Chicago in December. Why would you take your shoes off? <laughs> why the hell would you take your shoes off? <laughs> yes. <laughs> why the hell but- you dress like a chicken? <laughs> i love that trap because it's like this is just to humiliate him yeah. it's all this make him, like feel bad about himself <laughs> that, that's what's great too is like is is the way the traps are set up like they're to punish marv because he's stupid yeah and so they punish him relentlessly yeah but harry it's all humiliation yeah it's just like the burn in the hand it's 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 a brand then the torching of his hair. He has very little hair. Um, and just like every step of the way is just humiliating Harry and punishing Marv. And I think that that's really brilliant. They never. Oh, and then he gets shot in the, in the crotch at the oh, very yeah. beginning. And yeah, then Marv the being, being as stupid as he has put his head through <laughs> the dog door. Like, wait, what's going on here? Also, just such a wonderful, like, so in, in terms, now that we've talked about the movie, uh, in in term, there's a lot of screaming. Okay. Oh my gosh, so much screaming. But that's my favorite scream. And there's a lot of screams from Marv. But that's my favorite <laughs> scream. It's just that his the way his head enters through the doggy door, and it looks up at the camera, and then you watch the BB bounce off his head, <laughs> and then just the ah! <laughs> like a bird. <laughs> I love it. I love. It. Did you guys have any any favorite screams from from anyone in sp- specifically? Or no, no, no one, anyone. From anyone, dude, the tarantula, yeah, <laughs> the tarantula scream, Marv on the face. Like when I said my dad was laughing really hard at this movie, that was the thing that he was laughing hardest at the most. And I still think that thing is really funny. It's so great. Yeah, like just there's there's few screams like that in movies, and it lasts for so long. It, it's like. It's like as good as Jamie Lee as Jamie Lee Curtis in like any Halloween movie. It's like as good as any screen queen. Like it's just so high pitched and terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I 
then and then he starts hitting Harry because the la- the tarantula landed on him, and he's like <laughs> right over. It's like Harry, don't move. <laughs> yeah, that might be one of the most painful things. Actually, getting hit with a crowbar repeatedly, repeatedly in the chest. I'm pretty sure like people die from that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, your ribs, your ribs yeah, popping, cracked in. ribs. And... My, my wife, when we were watching it, she said. Um, Wow, you can really tell how hard Joe Pesci is trying not to curse. <laughs> the entire movie, from that first scene, like he just wants to cur- cut cause everyone there out. Like you, you effing kids, get the hell out of my way! <laughs> I just love he keeps saying "rassle, frassle, massive grasso." Like he just keeps doing the same like thing over and over. And I wonder, I wish that someone in John Hughes' state or Chris Columbus would release the full unedited bloopers because i guarantee you there's there's probably a, another movie of oh, them yeah. folding takes because john joe pesci just cursed like up a storm you can't use those it's a kid's movie joe it's joe a, joe cut joe stop this isn't good fellas yeah. <laughs> no no one here is named spider there is an actual spider though <laughs> uh all right wait speaking of harry though so i as an adult i do have a question about this why is harry with marv like they're they're being paired up i don't think it makes any sense because harry is doing all the work he's the one that scouted all the houses he knows what's all in there he knows when their timers go on and off Uh, marv is a saboteur he's the one that gets them like accosted for all the burglaries at the end right because like yeah it's good of you guys to like flood every place leave your calling card now we know which ones you hit yeah he's a liability yeah yeah there's no reason to have him marv is like trying to make sure they spell the name right the wet bandits (laughs) (laughs) w-e-t b bandits um i i I wonder about this though because he's uh, i i think that that harry Joe Pesci's character needs to punch down to somebody like you, you need to have, you need to have this guy with like this really fragile ego that wants to think he's big, you know, and you need to have a, 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 a klutz, oh, yeah. you know, a real schmuck. Someone that he can always be better than and always be impressing constantly. And, and, and like, and uh, uh, Marv is, is always in awe of Harry. He's yeah. like, wow, that was a great idea. It's like, it's amazing that you know, when all the lights go on, yeah. like who would have known that anyone could know this? Yes. So yeah, I mean, like it takes some work and takes some time, but it, it's, a, it's all you gotta a, do is sit there. It's a guy with like a, a sub grade school education, yeah. like looking up to someone that has anything more than him. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's just kind of what it feels like. So this is really okay. truly the story of of two two men who who just didn't have the opportunities in life that they should have. And what it is. and actually, you it's know, Ste- you know, there's a great tragedy. Steinbeck wrote about it. You know, of mice and men. Oh yeah, what this are you going to do? Of mice and men, kind of is Home Alone. Of mice and men, yeah. By another name, the sober. Look at note. the bunnies. Why Look are you laughing, Marv. Jesse? This is serious. <laughs> Look at the bunnies, Marv. <laughs> Look at the bunnies. <laughs> I could see Harry capping Marv at some point. Yeah, I could see that happening. Probably. I think so. That was funny, but now I'm sad. Yeah, poor Marv. <laughs> it's brought me so much joy in my life. All right. Um, so uh, before we get to our final questions, does anyone have anything they want to bring up? I got nothing. Yeah, I think I'm good. All right. So, Jesse, to you, uh, is this a dad movie? Would you show this to your kids and when? Yes, it's a dad movie. It's a dad movie because this is a great family movie where I think we 
kind of mentioned it, right? Where the adults can get something out of it and laugh at it. The kids get something out of it because they love the traps. Um, and it's fun to finally see a kid who's in power <laughs> rather yeah. than all the adults, but also still appreciate your family because that's what all the adults appreciate. That's what I appreciate now. Um, <laughs> love your parents, kids. That's the message I want to send to my kids all the time. <laughs> love me. No matter what. <laughs> I love do me. I leave you say. behind when I go to Paris. Yes. <laughs> So, um, so, so when I would show it to them, honestly, I would show it to them as soon as possible. If my kids would sit still through it, but they won't. So I'll probably do it when they're like, I don't know, six or seven, because it just doesn't hold really your attention. Until I thought there was a really wonderful guardian article that you listed, Jesse. I mean, haven't you been, you know, you've been trying to show your kids these fantastic movies like, like Heather's. You know, and they just they just can't have their attention because uh, Pixar's ruining them. Uh, <laughs> oh my word! Honestly, oh, that that article is garbage. Um, yeah, but you can like my kids. My kids were able to sit through a Christmas story, but not this one. I don't know why, but this one just doesn't hold like a four year old's attention very well. Mm. Well, maybe next year. We'll I guess see if it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll find out. Uh, but yeah, dad movie six or seven or eight or any of those ages. Um, yeah, I, I'm just gonna say probably ditto. Um, I, I I didn't want to show it to my daughter at at three because I think that the funniness of the violence would go over her head and she would mostly just be scared and confused at what was happening. Um, yeah, yeah. so I, I'm gonna echo you and say kind of when I approached it too, just. Um, at an age where we're seeing where you can recognize there's a bad guy and then recognize that something is happening to the bad guy and that's okay. What do you think? Mike? Um, yeah, definitely dad movie. Uh, I, so I actually started watching this with my kids and then I realized I hadn't seen it. And, uh, like they started like the word ask gets thrown out there. They start talking about the creepy, like, uh, psychotic murderer who lives next door. I was like, you know what? Let's watch Winnie the Pooh, guys. <laughs> so um, I uh, after screening it, like, yeah, I, I don't know, my um, probably in the next in the next couple of years for sure, four or five, yeah, um, or five or six now, I guess. But yeah, definitely want to make sure that like they they both get that like they're bad guys and like this is funny, yeah, um, to get. But also, like, it's not too funny. Like, I don't want... My younger daughter is definitely more of a... Like, I could see her setting traps for me. <laughs> I don't want her to do that. I don't want to get nails in the feet and that sort of thing. Boy, so... I'd love to hear about it, though. That would be great. <laughs> so there's there's a balance I have to I have to go here. My older daughter would be like, oh, those poor guys. Like, they got, they got hit by a, a, a heavy paint can and my... Younger daughter would be like, "That is awesome." Taking notes. I'm taking notes here. So <laughs> great. Well, I, I'm I'm glad we we've reached this. Um, yeah, we just for this episode, you know, we really just didn't want to we didn't want to dig into this too much. First of all, I don't think there's much to dig into it. It's yeah. it's quite a, a a fun movie on its on its top. And when you dig down a little bit, there's a lot there. Really, we just respect this movie for being uh, such a holiday classic that has brought a lot of joy into our lives. And I know I've watched it outside of Christmas. And, and enjoyed it then. But for me as an adult looking back, it, it's something I've loved a lot and I can't wait to pass this down to my kids. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to give this uh, to you, our listeners, to do something a little bit more fun 
you know, we just had such a heavy series with uh, Not Your Grandfather's Courtroom oh, yeah. Dramas. And it's nice to get a little breath of fresh air. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that does it for all of us uh, from Not Your Father's Movies. I- I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. And uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hey, everyone. This is Mike from Not Your Father's Movies. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions on tonight's episode, thoughts on movies that should or should not be in the dad canon, and most importantly, things Vito got wrong, we'd literally love to hear from you. Shoot us an email with anything you got at notyourfathersmovies at gmails.com. That's notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. And if that's not enough for you and you want more ways to listen to us, reach us, share us, and support us, check out our website at nyfm.podbean.com. That's nyfm.podbean.com. Shout out to Max Agros for our sick theme music. Thank you, Max, and thank you all again for listening to us. Have a great night.